Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is WSBT's Community Update on 96.1 WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. St. Joseph County Deputy Health Officer Dr. Mark Fox updated us Monday on what's going on with the coronavirus on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine still paused this morning. Is this impacting the local effort to get people vaccinated? You know, honestly, it's not having as much of an impact here as it is in a lot of other areas. About 7,700 people in the county have received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The bulk of those were at the Notre Dame Mass Vaccination Clinic um, you know, a month or so, three, three or four weeks ago. Um, so it has been used really very little elsewhere in the county to this point. But some sites that have been using it, fortunately, have been able to access either Pfizer or Moderna to fill in. Now, if you received the J&J shot, should you be concerned? Yeah, I've been asked that a lot. So n nobody should have received it really in the last week. And the adverse events that have been reported were in the first two weeks after receiving the dose. So, so there may be people who had it within the last two weeks. But yeah, they ought to pay attention to any symptoms, unusual symptoms that they get. You know, most of the symptoms you get are at the injection site or aches and chills in the first two or three, four days after the shot. So now everyone should be more than a week out, and if they develop any unusual symptoms over this next week, they ought to let their doctor know. But in general, no, they just should be attentive to what's happening with their body. How are local vaccination efforts going? Are appointments being filled? You know, there's good appointment availability right now. So I know this Tolson Center you mentioned before, there are appointments available through the rest of the week. Really across the county, there are places people can get vaccine you know, within a day or two, typically. So that tells me there are a lot of appointments available. We have so many sites available now that no one should have trouble accessing the vaccine. But it also makes me wonder if, you know, uptake is slowing down, that the people who really wanted it have gotten it. So now we've got to do a little more work for the people that are on the fence, that we need to convince them why it's important. Right, because the faster we get more people vaccinated, then the faster we can get through this. Yes, absolutely. Okay, we're now a week out since many local families traveled for spring break. Are we seeing any kind of uptick in cases connected to that? We aren't yet. Um, you know, we've seen an uptick over the last month. So a month ago we were averaging about 60 new cases a day. Now we're at 105 or so. So we've seen this increase kind of steadily over the last month. Just over the next few days is when we'll really see the impact of people returning from spring break. So we'll, we'll be watching those numbers pretty carefully. Now that increase that we're seeing, is that due to variance? I suspect it is. We haven't been able to demonstrate that. We know there, there are two different variants that are active in the county. Um, but there's such a delay in reporting those that what we know about it, I always say, is ancient history. So we know that a month ago there were, you know, we know the prevalence from a month ago. We don't know what the prevalence is today. Now, Notre Dame announced that it has already reached the 90% mark in getting students vaccinated. How does that impact spread within the community? Does, does that? 
That's always been a tricky question of how much spillover is there from the campus to the rest of the community. We know that there's some because students are, are interacting, they're going to the grocery store, they're volunteering, they're doing all sorts of stuff in the community. So we know there's campus community interface, um, but we really have not been able to document a lot of spread of cases this semester from the campus to the community. So that's good news, but certainly getting that many people vaccinated, one, it makes the dorms a lot safer, um, but by extension, it makes all their interactions in the community that much safer. Now, Notre Dame is requiring students be vaccinated in order to return for the fall semester. Do you think that our local schools should have that same mandate? That's a tough one because, uh, you know, right now it's only 16 and older, so it's going to be, you know, half the high school, basically. We expect very soon that the 12 to 16-year-olds will be covered, so we'll get most of middle and high schools and then probably sometime in the fall we'll get six and up uh, authorized is my, is my guess at this point. Um, I certainly think that people being vaccinated makes the schools a safer place to be. If you're spending six or eight hours a day in a building with a, you know, 30 plus other kids, um, that makes it safer for everyone. So I certainly hope that the school districts and the State Department of Education will look seriously at that. Now, Pfizer CEO has said the vaccine will likely need a booster within six to 12 months. Why is it important to get that third shot? It's a little bit like the flu shot. So you get, you get protection, but the protection will wear off over time. So getting a periodic booster will offer the best protection and limit the development of variants. And so, yeah, our current expectation is that people likely will need an annual booster. Um, again, just like the flu shot, in fact, there's talk of combining the flu and COVID into one, one shot so that people would get that every fall. Okay, I wanted to ask you really quick, I know you're not the deputy health officer in Michigan, but they've been leading the nation in cases. What do you think about this push for the monoclonal antibody therapy rather than tighter restrictions? You know, I think it's important to have monoclonal antibody for, for high-risk populations. It certainly is not suitable for everyone. So we need that as a treatment to reduce the impact of hospitalization and death. But it's got to be a combination of vaccine, some restriction, some reasonable restriction, and treatment. So you've got to have all three of those working in concert, really, to have the impact that we need. You know, Michigan just, I think, was really unlucky with very early penetration of variants before there was widespread vaccine availability. And so they're bearing the brunt of that. But they've got to have all three of those elements working together to protect the community. Deputy Health Officer Dr. Mark Fox on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. Vaccine appointments are starting to go unfilled as demand for the shot shows signs of slowing down. Health officials are now working to make it as easy as possible to get vaccinated in order to reach the herd immunity mark. There are signs that vaccinations might begin to slow down as health officials try to encourage the more skeptical crowd to get the shot. We want to see every dose go into an arm. We want to remove every barrier that there is that folks may have to receive vaccine. The Indiana State Department of Health and the Elkhart County Health Department opened a new mass vaccination clinic this morning. It'll accept appointments and walk-ins, a first for them. It's not just a hesitancy. There's an access uh, to online communication as well. So there are certain communities that just don't do well uh, when it comes to advanced registration. Elkhart County's vaccination numbers are far behind St. Joseph County's, even though their populations are somewhat similar. Elkhart County's health department plans to start a grassroots campaign 
aimed at encouraging the weary to sign up. There's a small group of individuals who aren't going to get vaccinated, and, and that's completely their right. Uh, I don't think that they're stopping anybody else from getting vaccinated. St. Joseph County says its vaccinations have not dropped off yet, but they say it might soon level off. Deputy Health Officer Dr. Mark Fox says he thinks getting the vaccine into people's doctor's offices would be a big help. It's going to be critical getting the vaccine into local doctor's offices so that if Max Lewis is in my office, I can have that conversation, offer him the shot and give it to him right there rather than saying, okay, now when you go home, log in and sign up for this site. The pause on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine does complicate things since some health officials were relying on that vaccine for that specific purpose. Demand for the vaccines is expected to go up again if it's approved for the younger segments of the population, which is expected to happen sometime later this year. WSBT 22's Max Lewis reporting. Public schools throughout our area could soon receive a third round of federal stimulus money, and this time $1.8 billion will be allocated to Indiana schools. Some schools could receive tens of millions. After applying, South Bend schools could receive up to $59 million. It's all part of the American Rescue Plan to help schools recover from the pandemic, but not all of the money will be spent right away. Most students are now back in the classroom, and schools are working to make up for lost instructional time from this past year. Unfortunately, a lot of our families had to focus their attention on things other than education, which is understandable in these times. But districts are trying to recover the love for learning with some help from federal stimulus money. The Indiana Department of Education just announced the state's public schools will receive nearly $1.8 billion in a third round of federal funding. So now this presents an opportunity that we can focus on our students and identify what their needs are and know that we have the resources available to provide the necessary support. South Bend Schools is set to potentially receive up to $59 million. Federal requirements say schools must use at least 20% of these funds to support accelerated learning opportunities. We're also looking at what are those supports and services we can put as far as interventions, both social, emotional and academic interventions we can put in place to support our students who are coming back, who have experienced trauma much like a lot of the adults have. The school will not only add programs that align with the district's strategic plan, but also support operational needs. This includes looking into the air filtration system. We don't have to allocate or dictate right up, up front how we're going to use those funds. We can save some of those funds in a reserve so as we identify new needs, we'll be able to support our students. White says normally public schools are concerned with how to fund necessary support, but this presents an opportunity where the district can focus in on the students and not have to worry about funding. And right now, South Bend Schools is still working on their application for the second round of federal stimulus money. The application for this third round of money will open up in late June. WSBT 22's Lauren Becker reporting. The number of kids experiencing food insecurity is shocking. According to the No Kid Hungry campaign, one in seven children faced hunger before the pandemic. Now, it's one in four. Many kids get their breakfasts and lunches at school, but with so many kids learning remotely at least part of the time, local districts have been forced to pivot quickly to provide needed nutrition. First thing we did, you called an audible. That audible meant all hands on deck for Benton Harbor School employees. Every student in the district qualifies for free or reduced lunch, 
so making sure those meals didn't disappear meant involving others in the community as well. We had an opportunity to partner with 10 different local organizations from faith-based organizations to Boys and Girls Club and just making uh, food available at different locations throughout the city. That team effort meant most students continued to get daily meals. The school district served more than 143,000 breakfasts and lunches in the fall of 2019. During virtual learning, more than 119,000 were served. While the numbers appear a little lower, Council says they only distributed meals four days a week during virtual learning, but doubled the food to cover the rest. Everyone just did what it took to get the job done. We knew we had a mission. We had to feed our young people. Um, so, you know, by the grace of God, no complaints, no issues. In the much larger Elkhart schools, a similar pivot and a similar challenge to make it work quickly. Our folks immediately went into the idea of let's be able to offer a week's full of food at one time. So our food service and commissary, commissary people went right into putting together uh, prepackaged meals. About 70% of Elkhart students qualify for free or reduced meals. A lot of families opted not to take part in the service and provide their own meals during home learning, but the district still served a lot of food. In the fall of 2019, more than a million meals were served. That dropped to about 300,000 in the fall of 2020, but again, the numbers don't reflect the number of bulk packaged meals distributed at a single time. Tallheimer says they worked hard to make sure no kids were hungry. That's why the hybrid plan was so important for us. I mean, when we, we didn't want to be strictly totally virtual because that, that contact touch points a couple times every other day during the week allowed us to be able to keep our eyes and know if, if that student was doing okay. And it's efforts like those in Elkhart and Benton Harbor that have impressed the senior manager of the national campaign, No Kid Hungry. School nutrition staff and community organizations like food banks have been true heroes throughout this pandemic. They have found so many creative ways to reach kids. And honestly, they've been innovating and reinventing themselves every few months as the situation on the ground has changed. Carolyn Vega says it's not just urban districts that are facing challenges. Transportation in rural communities can pose obstacles in getting to distribution sites. She says the extra effort being made to feed children is especially important now when so many families are struggling. We know it has implications for their health now and in the future. Uh, it can affect their learning. We know hungry kids just don't focus as well. So um, missing meals can really create ripple effects. We have these basic needs that we have to have taken care of in order for us to reach our fullest potential. The bottom of that pyramid is food. It is foundational that the students not have a hungry stomach and not be worried about other things. And even as things start to return to normal, the superintendents say the importance of what was learned will help them moving forward. Adverse opportunities let you know how strong you are. Um, if anything, we see how much we can persevere and how much we can endure. And also, it gives you an opportunity to evolve. WSBT 22's Todd Connor reporting. The views expressed on WSBT's community update are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host, WSBT Radio, its staff or management. Join us again next week on Community Update on the Sports Leader, 96.1 WSBT. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 